This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to Zaina Dijani. She was on the ground for the Sheikh Jara protests. If you remember, these are basically the protests that sort of sparked the recent round of fighting between Israel and Palestine. We will be covering this from all different directions, uh, but we are going to begin with what I think the media has quite quickly forgotten that a lot of this round of fighting did start with uh, people getting evicted from their homes in Sheikh Jarrah in uh, East Jerusalem. If you like what we're doing, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popular front. You were on the ground uh, in the Sheikh Jarrah neighbourhood. The evictions happened, like we all saw that happening and then it kind of very quickly seemed to just drop out of the news. Maybe you can just kind of take us back uh, and explain exactly what happened there because this, in my opinion, it looks to be what sparked the whole recent wave of fighting. Um, so maybe if you can just take us back, explain, you know, what actually happened. Yeah, I mean, so um, at least from my point of view, because I, you know, I'm like I said, not really an active researcher, you know, I'm just a, a Palestinian who's from Jerusalem, whose family, you know, actually uh, has, um, I grew up in Sheikh Jarrah and stuff like that. And these evictions aren't new, you know, um, basically, you know, part of the whole Israel Zionist standpoint is that, you know, uh, Jerusalem and all of Palestine should be Jewish. And, and in order to do that, they need to get rid of Palestinians who live there. And so um, I would say that the, in, I guess last year, um, the Israeli courts ruled to evict 12 Palestinian families and to give their property to Israeli settlers, and which would put about 500 and almost 500 Palestinians, um, you know, out of their homes. And not only that, but they also would be forced to pay to cover for the settlers, the legal settlers' uh, expenses to move into their own homes. It's pretty insane when you think about it. Wait, wait, wait. So, so, so sorry. Yes. So, so, so the Israeli court said, right, you have to leave your home and you also now have to help the people that are going to move in yes. there. Right. And what, what reason? Why do they say that? Like, what, what reason do they give for that? Uh, they say because they're like, I, I don't really know, actually. I think it's like they use different reasons. But in this particular one, I imagine it has something to do with the legal expenses because of the court cases. That's what they're saying. But that doesn't make any sense. Like, there's not a lot of, they don't really care for real reasons. And this isn't new. So a lot of the, you know, what part of another thing that they do is they demolish a lot of homes, Palestinian homes in Jerusalem. And they tell the families, either we demolish it for you and you pay for the de demolition or you demolish it yourself. So this isn't a new, you know, idea <laughs> or a new way of dealing with the situation. It's really humiliating. Yeah, no, deeply. I mean, we saw that video where there's like some, um, the, the Israeli settler guy from like Brooklyn, you know, and he's like, I have to steal your house. Like may maybe just explain uh, briefly, like what are these settlers? Why do they want to live in the small sliver that, you know, the Palestinians have left? Yeah, so it's it's really ridiculous. So there was a, a, like a longer interview with him and I don't know what, you know, they're really very brainwashed. And they come to think that basically the idea is that, th that what he's basically trying to say is that if it wasn't me, if I'm not going to steal it, there's another Jew ready to come to take it. 
Like mm. it's not, I, I'm not alone. There's a whole system in place that is, that is, that is ha- making this happen. And what they do is they bring in settlers and I don't know what system it is. Is it a lottery? Is it like, I have no idea, but it basically they say, you know, they bring in settlers and they, and, and the, and the way that they stay in the situation, because it's not exactly like the greatest situation. Yes. They probably get a free house and all that, but you know, as you can tell, we try to make it as hard for them as possible to stay there. Um, they, they truly believe that it's their, they're chosen to, to make sure that Jerusalem goes back to the Jews as they think it, the way that they think about it. Not that they don't even think the Palestinians were ever there. They think that they're taking their right back, you know, that this is theirs and they have to make sure that the Palestinians stay out of it because this is, this is the Zionist regime, right? Like it's a whole, it's the whole idea is that like all of Palestine is for Jews and they're doing their part to make sure that is the case. So, yeah, so they'll take whatever it is. They'll do whatever they can to make sure that they, you know, that they help design the Zionist, you know, ideology. Whether whether they have any ties, like these are people who who may have never even come to the country. You know what I mean? These are people like this is the part that's so like, like, it's so obvious. You know, this, this dude, he's actually like, I look, he's actually from like Long Island. You know, we were very close. Brooklyn was close. (laughs) And he's, you know, he has no, no ties to this place, nothing, you know, and he's coming to get rid of people who've been here for hundreds of years. This is our, this is our land. We're not, we're not fighting to, to take it. We're fighting to keep it. That's the difference, you know? And for them, it's like, no, no, this is, you know, we have to make sure that we, you know, we make sure that the, 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 the Palestinians don't live here, whatever it takes. Right. And this is land within the, I mean, I know obviously the borders are kind of arbitrary and decided after the, you know, everything went haywire, yeah. but the, the, this land is actually within the borders of what internationally is meant to be what's left for yeah. the Palestinians, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everything they're doing, everything that's happened to Sheikh Sarah is so illegal. It's it's not even like, they're not even working within their already existing, like you said, you know, what they perceive to be, uh, you know, Israeli, you know, territory, right? They, this, they're, they're, they're moving in and they have been, this isn't new, right? The settlements, the legal settlements have been growing all over the, the country and, and especially in Jerusalem and the West, you know, even the West Bank, but everywhere. And this is part of it. This is like they're they slowly encroaching on on land that is meant to be for Palestinians. Palestinians live there. This is you know post the Nakba, post 1967 mm-hmm. war, post all of that, and and it's all illegal. Even the fact that how it stands now, the fact that they don't let into sh- into that neighborhood in that particular area, they don't let Palestinians to come and go. They ju- they let settlers do whatever they want. You know, they can just walk in with their baby, take a stroller ride, like a bike ride, have del- food delivered, do whatever they want. But the people who actually live there, the land who's theirs, they're, they're blocked. Like the, the, the families who live in Cheshire are afraid to leave their homes, to let's say go shopping, get some food, do whatever, because there is a chance that they will not be allowed to get back in. It's that, it's that like kind of um, treatment. And, and what reason, obviously the court said, okay, these 12 families have to leave. What reason did they give to justify this? So they, it's a, it's a such, it's a, the reason is very, uh, I don't even know how to call it, but it's very weak. Mm. They basically say that, um, that before, like, okay, so the, the way that the, these people have, like, have, the Palestinians came to live in the Sheikh Jarrah is that in, uh, like, there was an agreement between Jordan and the UN, uh, the UNRWA, you know, WA, in 1956, that these, that these families were actually refugees from 1948. And 
And under this agreement with Jordan, when it was still ruling Jerusalem, um, these families were given these this land. And they were told that you can, you know, uh, build on it. And in three years, you'd receive ownership titles. But but that never happened because Israel conquered, you know, occupy, started occupying East Jerusalem before these titles became true. And so, so that's how they ended up there. So that's how these families ended up in that area. It's Palestinian land, you know, but it's like how they came to, to build their homes, grow their family and own it basically. And so the, and so basically the, the Israeli courts have, you know, this actually let's go back a little more. There's a, there's a settler, a Zionist settler organization that's behind a lot of these, um, these, uh, uh, let's call them home, like evictions. Mm. And to displace these uh, Palestinian families with with settlers, and they basically, you know, and their whole point is they're coming up with paperwork, not real paperwork. Many people say, you know, that that these these land used to belong to uh, to Jews before 1948, like pre- like a long time ago, under like I think maybe the Ottoman. I'm not 100 percent sure, but but basically they're trying to claim the land to be for Jews before the Palestinians lived there. And they, we don't like this. This paperwork is not like no one's seen it. It's not. It's very. It's such a weak reason that people are saying there's not even. We shouldn't even talk about the reasoning because it doesn't matter. They could come up with anything they wanted, and this would still be the case. There's no. Right. There doesn't like, retroactively need to be a coming up with a reason. Yes, exactly, and it's always the case. There isn't. There. They don't really care for a reason. You know, like the the main reason is that this land belongs to the Jews and only Jews. It's ethnic cleansing. That's all that it is. They don't want to call it that, but that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, I've actually spoken uh, to settlers before, and I, you know, I did definitely also get that impression of like, well, this is our land, so it doesn't matter. It's like, well, people already live here. It's like, no, it's ours. We're taking it. You know, it, it's. Uh, I don't know. I could never get my head around that kind of idea. Um, <laughs> what was it like growing up in there in Sheikh Jarrah for you? So my family, so I actually, um, I grew up in Beit Hanina, but my family, I have a lot of family in Sheikh Jarrah. Okay. And like, for example, like, um, and my family originally is from Sheikh Jarrah. And so, um, and so it's always been home. Like, you know, I go to cousin's house there, went to like a camp there. Like it's, um, as a teenager, um, spent a lot of time there. It's, it's a really beautiful neighborhood and it's always been considered like one of the, like the old, like they're one of the ones that they, that's been left, you know, mm. like one of the old neighborhoods that is still Palestinian. Um, everything else like Beit Hanina and a lot of other places, they're sort of considered more of on the outskirts, you know, like just been built out over the years as more Palestinians have been pushed out of the city center. Um, they've had to, you know, build up outside of it. And so, Sheikh Jarrah is just special in that way. It's considered to be like, you know, if we lose it, we're lo- it's, it connects a lot of the neighborhoods. It connect- it's our connection to the old city as well. Um, it's very close. It's right outside the old city of Jerusalem. And so it's, it's history. You know, at the end of the day, it's our history. It's the Palestinian history, same as the old city is. Um, and that's the feeling that you get when you're there. The, the houses are really old. The, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's just home. So this round, um, this round of evictions. So these twelve families. Maybe just just talk us through like what actually happened. How did that go? Because I know there was like immediate clashes. I saw you know Israeli soldiers were there. Like how how did that all unfold? Yeah, so um, 
so the orders came out and I think the the court case, which has been actually, I think, postponed till I think it's coming out again soon. Right. Um, but basically um, what happened is the way that I got involved um, is that there's these uh, two siblings on the ground, Hamad and Munal Kurd. They're mm. the house that's, um, you know, where we first meet uh, the settler, um, Jacob, who talks about, you know, it's where the, you know, the, uh, the courts ruled to give half the house, like where he lives in the in the half of their house, which happened, I think, about eight years ago. That was for originally when their house was split. And so now they're coming out for the rest of their house. And so these two siblings, they're like really young and they basically, they created a movement, you know, the Save, uh, Save Sheikh Sharrah movement. And they were basically calling on, not the international community even, they were calling on just all Palestinians, you know, like, look, you know, you need to come, we need to stand up together we're here, we need to wake up, you know? Um, and, and that's what happened. You know, they really like inspired a lot of, like the movement is young. I go there and I'm like, you know, in my thirties and I feel old, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's young people. And it's, it's basically like, we've been living under oppression and occupation and we've been seeing this ethnic cleanse happening. And we, there hasn't been a, a like a, something that unites us. A way, something to fight for especially in jerusalem it's just all over the place like shit is happening sorry like you know bad things are just it's like everywhere it's spread out everyone's dealing with their own sense of like life under occupation is bad but what happened in sheikh Jarrah, i feel like gave us something to unite and and stand up for and be like no enough is enough like enough you're treating us like like beyond bad and now you're like literally stealing our homes and play like without even caring like there's no one coming to save us we have to save ourselves you know and i think palestinians tend to have this mentality but right now it's just been like you know the country doesn't have a lot of um you know every country now is i feel like dealing with their own thing with yeah. covid and like whatnot and so i think this is sort of like we all just were like okay yeah enough is enough and these two young people did it like their online campaign has been so strong. Muhammad does like in English and Muna does in Arabic mm. and, and they're really inspirational. And they were just like, listen, Sheikh Jarrah has, yes, it is. This is our home, but this is also your home. This is you next. So let's stand up together before it's you next. Let's make sure it's not us now, you know? And I think that really brought in a lot of people to the ground. So we used to go and, um, they were very peaceful like we would go chant you know um just show our presence because the settlers were just coming and going and they're really aggressive and kind of scary because they're all armed you know we're not and i'm you know the it's, settlers walk very... around armed right oh yeah absolutely like you know there's been multiple situations where settlers have taken out their guns and started shooting indiscriminately and not not just particularly in Sheikh Jarrah, but also in Beit Hanina, like five minutes away from my home like just in general the 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 settlers have become way more aggressive and just don't care you know they don't feel like they're going to be held accountable which they're not so if they do shoot someone it doesn't matter no one's going to come after them um so yeah so we're doing this and 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 like and so so we're we 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 are going there and protesting and 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 gathering and israelis really don't like that they don't like to they want to keep us uh, like oppressed right? They don't want us to feel like we can do that, that we can stand up to what's happening. And so the moment things start to get a little bit out of hand, we put up the Palestinian flag, which is not, which, you know, we're not allowed to do. Then they take, they basically um, attack. 
So what they do is they use extreme measures of, you know, really large horses, uh, stun grenade, like um, noise bombs, um, rubber bullets to disperse the crowds and to scare us, to scare us so that we don't come back. Um, they, they arrest some people. They take our photos so that they can arrest us later um, for no reason. And it used to happen almost at clockwork, you know, like mm-hmm. give it a couple hours around nine o'clock because it used to be um, Ramadan, which, you know, the, a month of fasting for the Muslim community, mm-hmm. like the holy month. And so we used to gather around that time period. You'd go, we'd break the fast, and then that would lead into chanting and, you know, just our presence there. And as soon as that end started, the the the, um, the Israeli uh, military would intercept would in, would intervene and disperse us and scare us, you know, um, and injure us. And so, and it just happened every night. And I think the more it happened, the more people started to wake up to it happening. You know, the more people were like, like I like a friend of mine went, and I used to see like his stuff on Instagram and be like, okay. I see people are going, I should go, you know, I'd get like this, you know, and I started going and my friends would be like, oh, she's going like, we need to show up too. You know what I mean? Like it just was this organic, you know, social media led activism, I would say. Yeah. And and just for, just for listeners um, to understand, this is normal protest. This isn't armed clashes. This isn't barricade building. These are just normal protests. I've seen them myself in East Jerusalem and the same thing happened, like tear gas everywhere immediately. No one was armed. No one was doing anything. Um, and these are all like peaceful protests, right? But eventually, um, the El Kurdis actually got evicted from their homes, right? Or they got arrested. I saw some footage. So they're still in the second. They're still in the part. The the part that they still are in. You know what I mean? Like I told you how it was. The, so they the first part. So they had they had their house, and then they they came and they built the second part of their house. Right. As soon as they finished building it, that's when the Israeli courts came in and said, oh, you don't have a permit. This is eight years ago. You don't have a permit to, to um, build in the second half. You don't have a permit to build this. So, that, so we're taking it away from you. And their logic is like, okay, if we are not allowed to build this house, how is it that a settler from the U.S. is allowed to live in it? Like, like <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the logic is just very weak. There isn't any. So then they came back, at your, you know, in 2020, and said, "Okay, now we're coming back to take the rest of your house." And that hasn't that hasn't happened yet. It's in the process. That's what the court cases are about now. So they keep delaying the court case. It was supposed to happen a month ago, um, and you know, a lot of us are saying, you know, it's, it'll be a miracle, a miracle, or some kind of international pressure, if the the, the you know, basically the Zionist court rules against like you know, a Zionist agenda, right? Like they're the court case, the courts are not in our favor. We're, we're fighting in a court that is not for us. It's not a fair court. We're fighting under an Israeli court system that was made to make sure that we stay oppressed and occupied and under ethnic cleansing. You know what I mean? Like, so that's, that's the, that's also another big problem. So right now they, the court cases are still happening. I think, I think they're supposed to be, they were postponed until the end of this month. Or like soon. Um, so until then, they've the Kurds are still in their house. They've gotten arrested. Like Mohammed has gotten arrested, but they he, they've let him out. Um, people have got other people have gotten arrested in the neighborhood as well. Mm. Um, but the eviction itself hasn't hasn't happened yet for the second half of the house. Got it. Yeah, a lot going on. Um, and am I right in saying these these Sheikh Jarrah protests basically sparked others, right, that, that started yeah. going on in East Jerusalem? What happened then? Because there was some disturbance around Al-Aqsa before the rockets started firing. Yeah, so actually about, um, before even the Sheikh Jarrah 
momentum started happening, there was um, in Al Aqsa the the military came in, or the Israeli government. They they issued like these metal barriers around Al Aqsa. They started getting involved with the Aqsa, you know, like started implementing things that they have no right business doing. And so that's that that started some clashes. Like no, that's sorry, let's erase that one. That started basically protests between the people who were going to stop it from happening, which ended up in these, um, they, they became violent, basically. Not between the Palestinians, but because anytime the Israeli military gets involved, they start, they use extreme, they, they start attacking the people who are there, no matter what you're doing, you know, whether you come with the intent of being peaceful, and, and usually it's peacefulness, because we don't have, we don't have a military, we don't have arms, we don't have anything, you know, we just have our... We have us, you know, and what we believe is, is, you know, what we are owed, which is, you know, the right to, to go to prayer if we want to, the right to live freely, the right to be in our own homes, right? The right to live, basically. And and so that's when that's first started to be like a bit of an issue, like a bit of a, um, I'd say the spark started, you know, there was a bit of a spark happening around Al-Aqsa. And, and then the Sheikh Jarrah started getting bigger. So you still have these two, and you still have, you still have those both happening around the same time. Sheikh Jarrah getting a little bit bigger. And then and then the Israeli uh, forces basically go into Al-Aqsa and they um, they attack people who are worshipping, who are praying during the last few days of Ramadan. And and that just that just blows everything up, you know? That's like that just that's when you know Hamas got involved. And that's when we were saying like even we can't even pray in peace. There's footage of like uh, I think the RDF border guards or something kind of just you know running in there, dragging people out. Like whilst actually in in the mosque, I think they said, "Oh, people were throwing rocks or something like that." Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you know it, it happened how it happened. Um, there, there's there's what I found really interesting. Not not to you know not not to at all excuse Hamas or anything i'm certainly not saying Hamas is good or whatever but what i found very interesting in the media is how the sheikh jarrah evictions and this situation in al-aqsa was kind of very quickly dropped as soon as Hamas started firing the rockets i mean do you think that you know it's all part of the same thing it looks to me like it started with sheikh jarrah no it's all to be honest nothing like that's the thing though i i think we always have to remember about that about Palestine is that this isn't just starting. This this has been going on for right, but this round, years. you know what I mean. But this round, this round has been it. It's it's all it, you. It's all tied together. Like we've the Palestinians are we're fed up, you know. And and like I said earlier, it's like we've kind of had enough all over. Whether it's Sheikh Jarrah, whether it's Old City, whether it's being able to pray in Aqsa, whether it's living in in Gaza under a you know literally an open air prison where you have nowhere to hide, nowhere to go. Without you know whether it's all over, whether you're living in inside as an as a Palestinian with an Israeli citizenship being treated as a second class citizen, literally with laws that are targeting, that are you know just for Jews, just for you know Palestinians, all over we've been. I think there's this there's this feeling of enough is enough, you know. And I think what Sheikh Jarrah did is it sparked it, you know. I think it 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 sort of it um. The momentum started there and moved mm. to Al-Aqsa. And I think what happened with Gaza is that the problem, as you might say, is that once that starts happening, when Hamas gets involved, which is understand, you know, know why it's happening, it does take away, it does um, 
move the spotlight. Yeah. But the biggest problem is it's okay for the spotlight to be on Gaza because it should also be there. We should mm. never forget what's happening there. The problem is, is that when a ceasefire, and I say that within quotation marks, and a ceasefire is called, it's almost like, that's it. We're all back to whatever this normal, okay life is under occupation, still being ethnically cleansed, still treated like second-class citizens. No, no, that's, that's just like, we've moved on. You know what I mean? Because a ceasefire was called. But in reality, the ceasefire was a farce, you know, like nothing changed. Yes, Hamas stopped firing rockets. But the same day, what happened? The Israeli military went into Al-Aqsa and started throwing gas bombs and started attacking people. Same day, the ink hadn't even dried on said ceasefire, you know, like there's no like what reason does does the does Israel have for doing that? It doesn't. It's, it's because it knows when a ceasefire is called internationally. People stop looking. They they move on, you know. And the point now is that we shouldn't move on. And more than ever, we shouldn't. Nobody should move on, because while we're while, you know, people think that this is over. That's when things get bad. That's when people will get evicted. That's when more people. That's when more of Jerusalem will be ethnically cleansed. That's when more laws will be passed. On in, like as more Israeli laws targeting Palestinians will pass. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's it's that's when they use this sort of ceasefire to do all the things they want to do when the, when the, when the international community is not looking as as intensely. Yeah, Be- Benjamin Netanyahu is interesting uh, in this situation as well. I mean, just as an outside observer, it seems to me like he kind of needed this little conflict, um, well, horrific conflict, yeah. to 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 kind of distract from his um, various mounting legal issues. What do you think about that? Do you think that's accurate or, or not? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, always. He always has, he benefits whenever something like this happens. He was almost out the door. You know what I mean? Like he was like, he's going to do anything to not, to, to stay in power. Because the moment he's not, you know, he's, he has all these legal court cases against him, right? And the only way that he's avoiding them or being able to get past them and is by keeping himself in power. And this is, this helps, you know, but I think, I think there's been more, a bit more awareness about that as well. You know, like I've seen that actually being talked about that, like, okay, what does he, what does Netanyahu benefit? Because he does. And it's important to pay attention to that. And it will be clear and it'll be more clear as time goes on. Yeah, I think so. Um, what What's the situation now then in, in Sheikh Jarrah? What's going on there? So right now it's uh, basically the, the street where all the houses are on has become uh, like a military um like under military rule you know like in mm. a way basically they have barricades like these these uh big stone like almost like how you'd see the checkpoints around i don't know for anyways for people but basically it's like these these uh like previously used to be able to just walk down it's a normal road right now they just have barricades everywhere with soldiers on every entrance and the way it works is that if you're a settler you can go in out as you please if you're not you have to show your that you live there. And a lot of them, they say that even, even though they show they live there and they go in, within 20 minutes, uh, uh, like a police or a soldier will come and ask them if they live here and make show them um, proof. So it's it's basically like, it's under siege. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this, yeah. this area that no one's allowed to go into. And so we can't, so it's become very difficult for us to go and support what's, ha- you know, and be, so we go on the, so we stand outside if there's any kind of event. And to them, it's better if we stand outside. They can use more military force against us outside. 
you know, like it's, they don't have to worry about any settler getting hurt or, you know, uh, a, a small closed area. They can shoot as, as many tear gas as they want or disperse the crowd as far as they can. And so they basically made it like military control over that road and they want to isolate the families. Right. Um, and that's something that's, it's, it's really, it's, it's illegal. They have no right, no right to do that under international law. It's not under their jurisdiction. But it doesn't matter to them. Uh, do, do you think the protests are going to continue there now that there's a ceasefire? Are everybody kind of burnt out or is this going to continue? I think, I mean, the hope is that it continues. And I think it will. I think it's, I think it depends. I think people are going to, are tired. And I think the question now a lot of people are asking is how do we make sure not everybody burns out at the same time? You know what I mean? Is mm-hmm. how do we keep it going? And I think a big part of it is also international community. They can't burn out. Our, the international, you know, um, fight need to fight for us as well, especially for me, at least in the in the, in the U.S. in the U.K. in places that have, you know, not only supported but also give financial, huge financial, especially in the U.S. Um, aid to Israel, aid to the occupation, aid to the to the, the ethnic cleansing. It's all you know, and military aid as well, and so military weapons. And so I think for me is that we the pressure needs to stay on inside and outside. Um, and here, even though we're not allowed in the neighborhood, people still try to get in, you know, uh, the, the Kurd family tries to have like events. Um, they're maybe not going to be as explosive, but that depends. I think, I think we've yet to know. I think it's still early, you know, I think potentially when the court makes its, you know, um, rule ruling, I think that's going to also you know, um, probably start another wave of people. When is that? Uh, I, they keep postponing it. Right. So I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but like, for example, you know, um, on Saturday they had uh, a protest that was outside and, and it wasn't as big and, you know, it kind of dispersed quickly, but people still showed up. Same on Friday. Um, there's another protest happening in front of the courts. Um, on Wednesday. So as long as these events are happening, I think people will go. And I think it's up to us here on the ground and outside who care about this issue, who care for passing their freedom. It's up to us. We choose whether or not, you know, um, this keeps, you know, we keep fighting mm. and to keep the, keep eyes on what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Zaina. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this one up? I think like, I think it's just really important that people understand, you know, to me that this isn't just now, you know, and this won't stop. This won't stop. Even if the ruling goes for the, for the families in Sheikh Jarrah, there's a, there's a system in place in the country that is there to make sure Palestinians no longer exist here, you know, to make sure we are erased from history, to make sure we are not, not part of the future. And, and they, and the Israeli government will do anything they can to make sure that happens. The Zionist agenda is very, very strong, you know, and we are just to them, you know, uh, something that they need to get out of the way and they will do anything. And I think it's important to remember that this is, has happening for 73 and this years and this will continue to happen. And so even if this happens, people need to continue to pay attention and fight because as long as we are here and as long as things don't change, we're, we need people to fight for Palestine. We need to fight for Palestine to continue to exist. You know, I think it's just important 
that this isn't just a moment. This isn't just an incident, you know? This doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, so I just need to make sure that that's, that's like clear, that this isn't just a moment and will go away. Yeah. This is a system of oppression that we live under. Good luck out there, um, and thank you very much for speaking to us. Of course, thank you. That was Zaina Dijani speaking about the Sheikh Jarrah evictions, the spark that kind of kicked off the recent round of fighting between Israel and Palestine. Remember, like I said at the start, we are going to be covering this from all different directions. We're going to be speaking to Israelis. We're going to be speaking to people living in Gaza. Um, we've been a little bit slow, I guess, doing uh, the coverage, but it was mostly because everybody we needed to speak to was extremely busy with other bigger media organizations. Um, and I wanted to talk to people on the ground. Also, you know, in Gaza, a place like that, people didn't have electric. But yeah, it's all coming, don't worry. Um, and if you listen to that episode and be like, no, I don't agree with that, I understand this is a very divisive conflict. Um, but at the end of the day, we're reporting from people that were on the ground and we're gonna hear uh, from different sides. So yeah, relax. <laughs> but yeah, Sheikh Jarrah, the spark that kind of started the conflict. If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us on the Patreon for bonus content. We are grassroots, 100% independent. That is the only way we really keep going, the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash popular front. You'll see a lot there. Bonus episodes, narrated articles, access to the community discord, merchandise, discount codes, a whole series on there called Too Cool for J School, an educational thing. There's so much there. Patreon.com slash popular front. Or you can buy our merchandise. Just go to popularfront.shop. We have uh, t-shirts there, hoodies, bags, all sorts. It's not some Teespring bullshit either. It's all proper, decent designs, um, well-made stuff. Go and check it out, popularfront.shop. If you want, you can buy my book, which is currently out now. If you've bought it already, thank you very much. It's doing way better than I expected. Really do appreciate people buying that and reading it uh, and dropping the reviews. Um, yeah, you can buy my book, just search Jake Hanrahan Gargoyle in uh, Amazon or just go to gargoylebook.com, you'll see links. This episode was sponsored by Oracle Coffee Shop in Portland, Oregon, USA. They're an independent coffee business uh, selling only fair trade products. See them at 3875 Southwest, Bond Avenue, 97239. The episode was also sponsored by Grindcore House, a pair of independent coffee shops in Philadelphia, USA, one in South, one in West. You can find them on social media at Grindcore House. The episode is also sponsored by Propagandopolis, an outlet selling and writing about historical conflict propaganda from all around the world. Buy prints at propagandopolis.com. Use promo code POPULARFRONT10 for 10% off. Uh, if you want to follow us, look for us on social media. Instagram, it's at popular.front. YouTube.com slash popularfront. Uh, we're almost at 100,000 subscribers on the YouTube, so thanks very much to everybody. It's been taking 
like it took a while to get traction there um, for our documentaries and what have you but now it's starting to move despite all the fuckery and censorship and everything that YouTube does to us but yeah youtube.com slash popular front Twitter uh, at popular front co go to the website www.popularfront.co uh, if you want to follow me it's at jake underscore hanrahan h-a-n-r-a-h-a-n uh, music in this episode the intro was by home and the outro was by sam black check out his music at samblackpf.com so samblackpopularfront.com the uh, sound mixing was done by Thomas Griffin at Splicing Block. Uh, definitely check them out. Just search for Splicing Block, uh, Splicing Block Podcast. Sorry. Uh, thank you very much to the higher tier Patreons. Uh, without you, this would not be possible. Uh, they are Lupita Valenz, Bradley Davies, Laura, RX, A. Nicole, Manny, Travis Lieberman, Cherry, Ben Marshall, Dallas Don, LD50 Seattle, MJ, K Glitter Vulcan, Meredith Waters, Bethany Swoveland, C O'Donnell, Adam H, Larson8669, Karante, Bjorn Kirsten, Diamond Steam, Jacob, Michael O'Connor, Zach Packard, Todd Cravens, Alexander, Nicholas Butter, Ron Swanson, JD, sorry, Jav, Ian Froese, James Cully, Michael Akakan, Ethan, Fitz Madrid, Ed Coulthard, Johnny LaFleur, Clayton Taylor, Mike Barone, Ben, Liam Williams, Chris Cusimano, The Generate Zero Alpha, Jojo Arani, DR, Trey Nance, Amy R, Rubicon, Frank Austin, Amelia Me, Noah Ease, Christina Rivetti, Freya Northman, Ali Hunter, Moody Al Rashid, Bill Wilson, Andrew Hurley, Vida Provost, Brian McLaughlin, Tom Lochrin, Young Wasabi, Tony Bin, Adam Bergsnyder, JL, Sebastian from the Discord, Stephen Davila, Anthony Kabarak, Dan Dunham, Fletcher Tate, Chad Walker, Diana Govanek, Lawrence Abrahams, Peter McCormick, Emily Emily Molly, sorry, Axel Iverson, Christopher Martin, Ryan Sandercock, and Moritz Zumbel. Thank you all very much for keeping this floating to be honest thanks so much Ooh.